Hello and welcome to the Hindu's Parley podcast. I'm your host Jacob Koshi. The torrential rains in several parts of North India, particularly Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand, has wreaked highways, destroyed houses and offices, and caused hundreds of lives. While unusually heavy rains from a warming Arctic are said to be a factor, it is also years of haphazard planning and construction that have multiplied the tragedy. To discuss the extent to which people are to blame for natural disasters, we have Professor Vimal Mishra of IIT Gandhinagar and Ms. Lubaina Rangwala of the World Resources Institute. Thanks a lot, uh, uh, Dr. Mishra and Dr. Rangwala, for making it over here. So to begin with, I would just like to start with you, uh, Dr. Mishra. When you look at this this year, 2023, it's an El Nino year. And normally in El Nino years, you're suppo- we usually see subdued rain in North India. But on the other hand, we are seeing torrential rains in Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand, you know, over the past several months. So how much of it can be attributed to nature and how much to, you know, anthropogenic warming? See, Alino has, uh, if you look last 100 years or so data, you will uh, find like Alino, of course, has a, a strong or significant, significant impact on the monsoon rainfall, mostly uh, through seasonal totals, means how much rainfall in a given monsoon season will occur. That is basically in Alino years, you will see a lot lesser rainfall than other years. But it not necessarily doesn't mean uh, it means that we will not see the extreme events or heavy rain events. Hmm. Uh, you know, so even uh, uh, so, we have looked at like if you look at the extreme rainfall events, uh, uh, they are sort of equally likely in both Alino and La Nina years. So that means we don't see any strong linkage between El Nino years and extreme rainfall events. But we will see that El Nino years have a likelihood or probability that seasonal rainfall totals will be lesser than normal. And when it occurs or happens, when seasonal rainfall is a lot lesser, means more than 10%, we say that that was a drought year or rainfall deficit year. That's number one. Number two is, you know, we see more impact of El Nino during later part of the monsoon season. So if you look at the August and September, that's where El Nino will show more prominent um, impact on the monsoon season rainfall. So, I mean, even during El Nino, we can expect um, a lot of uh, occurrence of extreme events. And this time, more or so are occurring in the northern part or the, um, you know, Himalayan region of Himanshal Pradesh, Uttarakhand, and where we are witnessing a lot of landslide events. So do you see this as climate change linked or is it anthropogenic? I mean, is it natural, so to say? Yeah, so I mean, part of part of it could come from natural variability, means how extreme rainfall occurs every year or every Alino year. You will see during the monsoon season, certainly some part will get flooded or will see witness yes. extreme rainfall events. So some parts certainly could be linked to the natural variability of the climate system. 
Uh, but uh, if you look at the long-term trend of last 30, 40 years, we will also see at the same time that uh, extreme rainfall events, especially short duration extreme rainfall events that can cause flash floods, they have increased. So number of uh, flash floods or flood events have also increased. So there, that trend is also there. And uh, that is... Uh, attributable to uh, anthropogenic climate warming. So here there is, we can imagine that there is an interaction uh, among or between the natural climate variability that monsoon system has. And uh, then also on top of that, there is a very strong forcing that is coming from uh, the anthropogenic climate uh, change. And because of that, we see more uh, you know, heavy rain events, flood events, or in nutshell, we can say we see more variability in in the rainfall system during the summer monsoon season. So, you know, so at this point, uh, uh, Srangwal, I would like you to come in. You know, so yes, as you know, as Dr. Mishra has been saying, there is an there is the natural variability is is has always been there, and there is also more anthropogenic causes coming in. But even as far as all of us can remember, you know, there has never been, let's say, a monsoon in Mumbai, if you go back many decades, where there has not been excessive flooding. We have perpetually heard of landslides, you know, north, south, uh, east of India. So disaster in one sense has always been part of the Indian, uh, you know, Indian landscape, you know, especially at, uh, those natural ones. So from your perspective, how do you see disaster preparedness over the years as having evolved? Or do you see that many lessons continue to remain, uh, you know, unlearned, so to say? I think um, there are a few different uh, ways in which the the landscape of, uh, you know, disasters in India has sort of uh, emerged, you know, um, over the past few years, and especially with the uh, continuous engagement with climate uh, change related hazards, we are constantly talking about the importance of urban planning and urbanization and the ways in which uh, people have moved to certain sort of uh, urban centers uh, mm-hmm. how different um, you know natural landscapes uh, and especially in the hilly terrains how some of those have over years uh, you know last 10 15 years has been very critical in how a lot of these landscapes have changed very drastically beyond what could be their car- carrying capacity uh, in terms of natural um, uh, kind of uh, hazards and uh, and the terrain in these areas Uh, And that has exacerbated the extent of loss and damage that these areas are going through, right? Um, And I don't think that as, you know, uh, agencies regulating um, how different um, cities, villages, towns have actually urbanized, that that regulation has actually been largely um, absent. Uh, And that has really exacerbated the scale of the disaster. Uh, so, you know, uh, landscapes, uh, landslides probably happened in the past, but the extent of loss was not as as we are seeing, you know, I mean, some of the videos and footage that's coming out of Himachal right now is is heart-wrenching to see, you know, uh, to see a, a beautiful um, ecosystem completely kind of crumble 
at the at the uh, state of what has actually happened and that has been actually the uh, failure of planning to really understand how to kind of continue to keep certain critical ecosystems alive and keep natural systems at the core of the ways in which then people can continue to live with nature in in some kind of a, of harmony where uh, natural systems have the inbuilt um, ability to absorb shocks and stresses which we did much better you know in the past as um, a much more kind of conventional smaller traditional um, living uh, settlements uh, and increasingly through the process of urbanization that annihilation and disconnect in terms of materiality in terms of aesthetics of planning and you know built environment in terms of the kind of uh, scale at which you know large buildings coming along the um, along these kind of very fragile uh, ecosystems these these have been uh, largely in conflict right so uh, that is the first kind of challenge however you know if i kind of go back to uh, a city like mumbai uh, oh, as you very rightly said we always you know over the last uh, 30 40 years seen floods very very uh, viscerally in terms in in our um, past and and through the ways in which the city has continued to grow and not in the not respecting also some of the natural uh, ecosystems but because the corporation also has uh, a fairly you know uh, established uh, institutional setup and we have had we have uh, our own disaster management agency in the in the mumbai corporation I'm, i say r because we i live in mumbai the agency has been able to uh, modernize its systems to be able to engage with imd and uh, the metrological department um, iitm you know various agencies the iits uh, in mumbai in chennai developing models to you know predict fl floods better um, also the the, the corporation's uh, storm water drainage department has really sort of in the last uh, you know 5 years to 10 years really been able to modernize its, its systems to quite a bit and you know and more recently with you know with the uh, building of some of these large uh, holding tanks the loss and damage that has been sort of a part of it of the city's history has definitely reduced uh, and more so in the last two years with some of the holding tanks built that does not mean that when the scale of the uh, hazard increases that the city will be able to uh, you know there is a threshold to which we have engineered around the problem and uh, we have probably been able to engineer around it much better than other uh, cities that are now facing you know like delhi is right now in the last uh, uh, 3 to 5 years been seeing recurrent floods and they haven't really engineered uh, or extensively yet we have been seeing it since 30 40 years and so the systems have engineered to a point where there is a threshold to which the infrastructure has been built but with the kind of sea level rise and the coastal inundation that we are expecting to see in the next coming decades uh, i am not confident that you know uh, some of the planning decisions that we have made to build on the floodplain to engineer around the rivers have been very uh, long term decisions so i'll just stop so these are interesting point that uh, you have brought up and I would like both of you, you know, to weigh in on this. So I'll start with you, Dr. Mishra. See, uh, she mentioned this whole problem of urbanization. Now, if you look at the historical development of countries, cities, everywhere, it has been that of urbanization. I mean, more people tend to gather in limited area. They 
the dense the population density in any place rises and you have to accommodate more people in less that would mean that you know you need more energy energy comes from fossil fuel you need to have higher uh, standards of development but once you are doing something like this once you are using more uh, you know more energy you end up affecting the climate increasing anthropogenic forces so in one sense aren't we caught in a trap you know are is there any solution out of this i'd like to start with you dr mishra and then dr angwar you can also come in you can come in later so i mean what i was saying that we all understand that with time we will see urbanization we will see development we will see growth infrastructure growth right so this is all expected because this is uh, how human uh, society development evolve with time but i mean what certainly what we where we don't pay attention while we doing all these activities is that whether our development pathways are sustainable or not right so so sustainability is a concept where we need to sort of give emphasis not only on you know economics uh, but also on society and environment so equal weight needs to be given so any sustainable development will consider the environmental implications or uh, how society adapt to the new development whether society likes it whether it is environmental friendly not just economic uh, basically so if you see the problems we are facing in cities nowadays is uh, where we completely forgotten uh, the the sustainability part we just ran behind the economics you know the land holdings the the cheaper land filling the water bodies uh, and uh, removing the paleo channels and uh, drain, natural drainage destroying the natural drainage system you know so this was caused or is being caused primarily because we are driven so much behind the economy and we don't pay enough attention to environment and possibly to society as well because this entire growth is uh, driven by you know not not where all sectors of society can enjoy the development and growth right so i mean uh, so so what is the problem cities are facing not just one but many and uh, as you said that we are caught in the trap like we developed and now we are facing lot of challenges because of that so if you look cities in summer cities are uh, bit, i mean cities face uh, very strong heat temperature high temperature heat wave events and then uh, you may, you will end up consuming lot of energy which is coming from fossil fuel or uh, you can say a significant part of that is coming from fossil to deal with that increased heat why it is happening when we have destroyed the drainage paleo channels and drainage natural drainage and fill the water bodies we have also compromised with the green cover in the cities right because uh, there is a very strong relationship between water and then green cover and the forest or trees or plants or wetlands whatever you say so uh, so since you have uh, i mean uh, forced this entire ecosystem to be one directional where you want to take it as a 
concrete uh, or you know more putting more structures we are facing in summer in heat, uh, in summer we are facing heat waves in in monsoon we are facing you know floods and uh, it's not like earlier we 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 were not witnessing the heavy rain events these are the part of the system but now since the frequency and intensity of rainfall events have increased because primarily because of the climate change you know these events have become so noticeable that uh, in india at least if you talk about top 50 countries in terms of population uh, in one monsoon season if you do the survey at least i think 60 to 70% of them uh, fl- uh, face flooding problems and same goes with the heat waves in summer so how to solve this the only solution we can see um, uh, i mean uh, going towards the sustainable development goals going towards careful urban planning not just haphazard you know planning and built structures and then create roads and streets and then don't worry about anything else you know and uh, so and, uh, sustainable planning is sustainable uh, planning development and that takes care of climate change also that takes care of local uh, management of water also that caused floods and not only floods i will tell like several cities are already facing droughts and if not now they will face in future the water challenges because you have uh, removed those water bodies so your groundwater recharge is also impacted or compromised i'll come back to another point so doc rangwala do you also think that sustainable i mean sustainable development is 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 a solution i mean but could you just unpack that term a little bit and or do you also feel that you know we are now the way india is developing we are caught in a situation where we are kind of whether we are in a dead end kind of uh, solution or are you a little more optimistic no i definitely don't think we are in a dead end because uh, also because we can't afford to be uh, we are developing we are growing people will need houses people will need jobs people will need services um we we can't afford to be uh, you know apocalyptic about uh, what we are facing uh but i do uh, resonate with uh, a lot of what uh, dr mishra just shared is that, that that you know really the uh, the the way to kind of be optimistic and proactive is to really go down to to understand some of these uh, legacy ways in which we have you know allowed certain business of business as usual practices to persist in in cities and even institutionally you know uh, planning practice institutionally has uh, many barriers in the ways in which certain sectors are you know absolutely uh, segregated like you know uh, sir spoke about uh, the the blue systems and the green systems and those are two different departments in the in, in most corporations uh, and they don't really see how to kind of connect and really think from a sustainable landscapes point of view uh i'll give you a, a, an example uh, you know we did a workshop with uh, uh, the brihan mumbai municipal corporations uh, stormwater drainage department about uh, um uh, a year ago 
and uh, and it was a two day workshop where you know various um, uh, stakeholders uh, from you know planning design uh, landscape firms uh, private developers uh, community based organizations citizens who have been impacted by landslides and uh, disasters and you know routine flooding various people were there you know in the in the convening uh, and it was also a sort of like a cross sensitization uh, workshop where citizens understand how the corporate how the stormwater drainage department is is building its its infrastructure how they are managing certain disasters in uh, in risk prone areas flood prone areas in the city and uh, the department understands how people are experiencing it how practices are emerging out, out uh, you know uh, around these um, disasters and it was actually uh, you know after the, the the two day you know at the end of the uh, workshop the chief engineer you know tells us that uh, it is very clear that we have to now start thinking long term and that was very uh, you know for us very humbling because if a department that is largely building in concrete is acknowledging that there is a short term uh, ways in which concrete is being poured into the city you know in terms of its uh, its decision making is is short term because we don't have the right information we don't know the problem enough to actually pour concrete which is a 100 year solution concrete has a very very long life so if we have actually understood the facts well enough then the infrastructure we are building is going to be long in long term if we lack basic data and we have not really been able to upgrade you know government systems of collecting and integrating data and reading the uh, risk in a long term manner then we are pouring a material that has very long life but for a very short uh, short threshold so i think it's you know it comes down to understanding that there are no quick fix solutions to what we are going through that we will have to think long term and long term uh, risk assessments vulnerability assessments understanding how socio economic drivers are worsening the problem in certain communities versus others in the city how some of that information needs to then inform both planning as well as disaster preparedness in the city is is the way in which you know solutions and and um, uh, planning can be thought about uh, there is no short term low hanging fruit anymore i think we have really exploited the notion of low hanging fruit uh, in in the you know climate resilience yeah. so space. you know so in, i i just wanted to come in you know with a kind of more concrete uh, example now uh, you know so if you just go back to the to the recent floods in himachal and uh, uttarakhand now uh shimla as a city i just was just reading recently shimla as a city in the britishers time was conceived as maximum for 25000 people and by the time it was uh, 1971 you know the population had doubled and now it is by now it is doubled from what it was in uh, you know uh, in 1971 so clearly there is so much of pressure over there but recently we i don't know if you i'm sure both of you have also read you know in the recent rains etc many of the highways etc were washed away and now you know even the the chief minister of the state was saying that you know, he's admitting that yes it's because the mountain slopes were cut in very unsustainable ways etc but the solution being proposed is you know we should have more uh, tunnels underground tunnels i mean would be like uh, you know would be would that should be the way forward for uh, you know Uh, you know for uh, any kind of road building construction now even in drawing back even in earthquakes we have earthquake codes 
our municipal authorities they clearly know what to do i mean these are all people who have trained and have live experience in all of these projects so do you think that knowledge exists i mean within the requisite department knowledge already exists but our experts are unable to implement them for whatever reasons or is it that do you feel that there is genuinely a lack of knowledge among city planners among our uh, you know uh, municipal corporation departments disaster man- management authorities do you think there is actually a lack that they don't know about certain things and therefore they are doing certain things wrong so i would just like to begin with dr mishra and then uh, srangwala you can come in yeah i think that's a that's a great question you know so knowledge is uh, never complete Uh, i would say because we learn every day new things and uh, so disaster management or the occurrence of disasters knowledge we have some knowledge from the past events but the challenge or problem is most often lack of awareness or uh, ignoring uh, the risk and you know the risk part many times is not clearly estimated or clearly defined when we go for a new infrastructure project for instance let's say we are uh, going to build a new highway in a mountainous region anywhere and uh, what kind of a risk it uh, may come from the extreme weather climate events so we will have some idea based on the past event in that region i will not say that nobody knows what is what they are going to do so that would be not correct so people engineers or the planners or the designers they know that in which terrain they are going to work and then what could be the potential challenges now where is the problem the problem is most of the time this risk is underestimated so why this is being underestimated because we have the some many times we don't have the complete record that inform our planners about the current or the most recent disasters or the upcoming disasters so these data sets most often are pretty old let's say last 20 30 years and they don't do not directly provide enough sufficient information about the future risk you know so that where is the gap the gap is uh, learning uh, knowing future risk and incorporating that into the de- infrastructure design now why this is a gap this is a gap because of lot of problems and challenges uh, both from scientific and otherwise so for instance uh, uh, accurate information at a local scale where you are planning a new infrastructure in context of climate change risk may not be very you know very very accurately available i would say there are uncertain uncertainties in the data sets or projections that are available or that are being used to estimate risk at a local level especially if you talk about the himalayan uh, territory or himalayan um, you know the region of entire mountains we have a very very limited understanding even about observations because we lack observational network there so if you go and survey that how many rainfall recording stations we have what is the density of that i would say those are lot lesser that we have in other parts of the country where it is easier to manage install 
and monitor and take care of that uh, infrastructure. So in, in nutshell or in summary, what we need, we need, uh, we need more observations. We need to strengthen our observational network across, especially in the areas which are prone to landslide, flash floods. First thing. The second thing is any infrastructure planning, uh, or especially the large infrastructure, uh, needs to take care of climate change risk. You know, whatever best knowledge we can get from whichever source, there must be careful incorporation or factoring in that uh, risk for infrastructure. So we, we need to basically make our infrastructure more resilient and resilient means that, okay, we cannot or we may not be able always to pr pr protect entire infrastructure, even if we factor in the climate change risk, but infrastructure is resilient means it has uh, been designed considering the risk. It has been designed considering the future, you know, uh, problems that it may face and it is resilient. So it will come back into normal functionality in a very, very quick period, you know, and, and uh, the most sensitive infrastructure, the most sensitive region we have in the northern uh, part, especially the Himalayan terrain because of geological aspect because of seismic aspect because of the heavy rain events because of okay. you know flash floods and because of landslides and so on and so forth so their planning should not be uh, should be integrated i would say like in every planning you you incorporate uh, you invite uh, i mean involve people from experts from all these areas climate change seismic geologic and other things so that there is a holistic understanding that what could happen and if it happens how we will take care of that in future so mr rangwal do you also concur i mean do you think it is lack of enough scientific data or do you think they already know but for whatever reasons plans aren't properly implemented um yeah i think there's a there's definitely disconnect right uh, i think uh, it's it's not like we don't have collective knowledge uh, you know there are excellent um, uh, institutions even within the government uh, that are constantly monitoring and understanding the scale of the climate crisis both from the you know in terms of rainfall um, uh, patterns trends and uh, you know uh, high the, the ways in which risk is becoming is, is becoming more um, pronounced in certain regions versus um, others uh, but also from a, from the temperature uh, front as well you know summers and the post monsoon uh, heat that some uh, coastal areas are seeing all of this is is understood there are very good institutions even parastatal um, institutions that are that are um, constantly monitoring and collect and 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 understanding the change in the scale of the disaster uh, where I think there is a disconnect is in the ways in which decisions continue to still be taken. 
and uh, you know while we understand that there are certain regions that are increasingly becoming more flood prone uh, still i mean as as uh, you know uh, mr um, uh, mishra was i mean sorry dr mishra was also sort of talking about the um, uh, you know tunnels uh, uh, the, the, the himalayan region and the the ways in which decisions are still uh, equally risk prone right that that end, what we really have to sort of think is transformatively uh, and and completely differently like what would it mean to say that there is a certain strict carrying capacity of certain regions and we don't allow for more um, urbanization to happen uh, in certain areas or or we we restrict certain um, ways in which infrastructure brings i think the constant sort of i mean right now even in maharashtra you know we're talking about a, a, a really i think a, a two or three hour uh, a short uh, a travel to panjgani uh, connecting you know the uh, mumbai metropolitan region closer to panjgani through a system of tunneling uh, uh, that that will be so this this need to constantly sort of shorten time make it easier to connect to people to pluto uh tourist destinations i think that has really sort of been counter to the ways in which we are con- in the environment space talking about preserving conserving slowing down really sort of you know building stronger uh, relationships with ecosystems these these two desires you know which are part of the kind of schizophrenic nature in which gov- uh, which broadly the the you know government agencies also function these two counter desires is is constantly at conflict and so it's not really so much the knowledge i would say because collectively you know if you really want to make right decisions you bring in the uh, experts from both private and public uh, and parastatal agencies and you'll have very good solutions on the table and very you know uh, cal- like uh, very very current and modern ways of understanding the scale of the disaster and where uh, the risk and, and and what kinds of solutions uh, should be um, modeled around it but uh, the the uh, right intent is i think where and the political will to to uh, take action in that manner is where the big gap is you know and um, and i think uh, the the issue is also uh, you have you know so many consultancies also working in a certain sort of imperative to constantly engineer the way out of disaster Uh, and to understand that there are there is a limitation to how much we uh, and really very clearly you know the limitations are absolutely uh, blatant now in front of us with the images of entire roads just like flowing down uh, the the um, yeah. uh, foothills you know that we have seen in the last uh, monsoon season i mean so at this point i just wanted to i mean again i'll bring both of you in this in in, in closing i mean we we have talked uh, we have discussed sustainable development or you know building according to plan or ensuring that there is limits if necessary on how much construction and how much how much people can use particular pieces of land if they are vulnerable to certain kinds of risk but then the flip side of this is cost i mean there is in i mean i mean if you look at all the climate negotiations you know that happens every year ultimately it just comes down to cost you know where we want rich developed countries to say that you know you pay us more money you give us money as compensation as loss and damages so that we can invest better in our infrastructure so do you think that if 
let's say our municipalities, disaster management authorities or governments in general had more money, then we would be able to implement, you know, better green or green as well as more sustainable kind, better structures, etc. Is money going to solve the problems that we have? Or do you think even if we were to increase budgets, there would still be fundamental uh, obstructions? Ms. Rangwala, you could you could come in at this and then I'll pass it on to uh, Dr. Mishra. Yeah. So I think, yes, of course, money will really help. Uh, it will really accelerate the, the scale at which we uh, can make decisions and, and can kind of uh, implement solutions. Municipalities that have money, like in Mumbai, uh, have a lot more flexibility than smaller municipalities where they have to really sort of find the right schemes and the right, you know, uh, donors, etc., who come on the table to make something happen in a particular city a lot of times those you know there are certain supply chains that you're kind of embedded in and uh even though you think a decision uh calculated decision points in a certain way uh because the money is flowing in a certain other direction you have to comply and you know go that way so this so money is really an important sort of um aspect in this entire kind of problem uh, but I think, you know, and but but, you know, just uh, shifting uh, uh, gears from the, the dependency on global finance, I, I definitely think, I mean, I'm a strong proponent that, yes, more global finance needs to come to um, developing uh, countries and cities to actually uh, accelerate the uh, scale of, uh, you know, cli implementing climate solutions at scale um, in, in countries that are really bearing the brunt of climate change, even though they have been uh, not so much the generators of the problem. Uh, but putting that aside for a minute, you know, really also focusing on private philanthropies, private capital that's sitting in India, I think really there is an important uh, role that um, the private capital needs to play in in making much more responsible decisions um, within the country, right? And if we can really sort of uh, come together in in sensitization of uh, of investors, of people, really kind of able to, and this is you know donors of all all kind of csr uh, private investors uh, companies you know uh, philanthropies everyone who can in house really accelerate the scale of solutions needs to step up and think about uh, creatively and innovatively financing um, and experimenting and allowing smaller municipalities to really be competitive in uh, in urbanizing and sustainable manners, and I think that is that is also an equal kind of battle that we have to um, continue okay. to uh, work. Dr. Mishra, would you agree that money would solve our problems in terms of better buildings, better roads, better highways? I think um, see, money. If money is a, I would say yes, but not completely. Uh, you know, money cannot do everything. See. If that is the reason, then um, developed countries, rich countries should not face any problem, right? So, so money can do the things, but then there are things beyond money. For instance, if you uh, if you are developing a city uh, on the cost of the existing natural environment, and, and then you uh, you are getting flooded in every monsoon season, and you are getting heat waves in every summer. 
how money can protect you yes of course you can run ac but uh, money cannot save you now what where is the problem see in infrastructure design you you can tackle a certain fraction of risk uh, and that is the idea like if you want to protect your infrastructure let's say you should not build any building on the flood plain now flood plain is not a boundary fixed boundary you know so flood plain is a variable uh, space from the river and you can think of like 20 year return period flood plain will be something then 100 year will be something else 500 year will be something else now if you want to build at a 500 year return period you have taken care of the risk to a certain level still there may be very very low probability that you may still face problems right now then there is a trade off when we factor in the risk we need money because without that we cannot factor in the higher level risk into infrastructure so of course we have to put higher cost for instance if you want to protect your metro stations metro infrastructure underground metro tunnels from flooding you will have to design in a different way and that will need more money than if you just go and design uh, design without considering that and then there is a trade off like the, you cannot protect any infrastructure for you know guaranteed that it will remain safe for all level of extreme weather climate events because that will cost you enormously large amount of money and that is not economically feasible and when something is not economically feasible we also call that is also not sustainable you know so sustainability includes that it is economically it is environmental friendly and it it is going to do well with the society so i would say we need more money to to create better infrastructure but money is money is certainly going to play an, an important role but more than that we need lot of awareness we need lot of training we need lot of information to understand the risk to understand from the past events to to understand from the projections uh, looking at the future and also reducing the uncertainty that uh, projections or data has when we when we talk about the climate change risk so i would That's say point, yeah. i would say both we need more money no doubt about it and, and we need the kind of planning and, involved and, and that's why we call that adaptation cost is growing you know yeah. when you want to protect any infrastructure from the extreme weather climate that comes into climate adaptation and adaptation cost is growing with time because we are facing more and more extreme weather events and who will pay for that adaptation cost uh, certainly those who have created that problem you know so we have uh, heard about the loss and damage funds at national or state level or municipality level at every step we need more money but at the same time we need more awareness we need more training we need to be better informed and we need to do proper planning to develop a climate resilient infrastructure that's a great point so you know in closing now we are just um, we are nearly 40 minutes 43 minutes into our conversation so in closing i j- i just like both of you to come in with your one or two sentence view on you know the original statement of a problem which is that you know are natural disasters man made based on all our discussions right now so just give me your final 
thoughts on our natural disasters man-made. Uh, Ms. Rangwala, you can go first and then uh, Dr. Mishra. So, um, definitely the scale of natural disasters that we are seeing uh, uh, now across the world um, are, are definitely uh, human-made. There is a huge contribution in um, in 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 exacerbating the scale of the problem from all kinds of you know stakeholders and uh, those who are most vulnerable in uh, in in within the ecosystems are the ones who are uh, whether it's you know cities or uh, rural um, landscapes uh, you know supply chains the most vulnerable are the most at risk and the uh, and and the losses um, that they that they end up incurring are the highest um and you know this is something i wanted to add actually even in the previous um, um intervention is that we somehow need to figure out systems and solutions that can be channelized specifically to um this large pool of population that is actually more um, vulnerable and more at risk how do we channelize the right um, finance or the right bankable projects to uh, enable uh, governments to actually see the possibility to build stronger systems from the bottom up uh, is the ways in which we have to actually uh, collectively you know uh, through human intervention and human collective energy kind of become also part of the solution because definitely the problem uh, has been uh, created and exacerbated by uh, anthropogenic um, forces but how do we also collectively come together is is really where sure dr mishra do you want to sum up your thoughts in closing on whether it's natural yeah. i i would say see yeah, i would still say that yes humans have played a, a, a very important role in terms of enhancing uh, their interaction with the uh, hazards, I would say. See, uh, when we talk about climate change risk, there are three components, hazard, vulnerability, and exposure. So hazards, the frequency and intensity of hazards ha have increased uh, and climate change, anthropogenic climate change has played a, a great role in that so yes humans have done uh, quite significant or they are responsible for that we cannot deny the fact the other thing is uh, you know we should think about the exposure and exposure is uh, we have enhanced exposure uh, because of various facts, because of uh, unplanned development, because of, you know, uh, we, are, we are sitting on the floodplains most often. We have encroached water bodies. We have uh, planned our cities uh, without thinking about sustainability. So this increase in exposure and increased hazards, uh, uh, you know, created a big problem because it has increased the risk. And then countries like India and other countries of South Asia, you know, we have a lot of vulnerable population because of, you know, our own challenges of so socioeconomic, you know, related to economics, their income level, poverty, etc., etc. So that's why we are facing uh, this uh, very high, I, I mean, enhanced uh, risk because of climate change. So humans are responsible, I would say, uh, if not fully, but uh, they have done uh, quite considerable uh, part in increasing this problem. But humans should also find solutions, you know. So we should remain positive 
right? We can learn from our failures. We can uh, start uh, planning cities in a better way. We can go towards sustainable uh, sustainability or sustainable development pathways. So we have, kind, in a sense, caused the problem, but we also have we to also fix find and the this solutions. Is, and it. this is the nature of human civilization. You That's know, true. many, many problems are caused and then also fixed. But we always it. figure out ways to... Yeah, so address. stay positive, I would say. Great. Thanks a lot. So we are pretty much out of time. It was a very uh, stimulating discussion having both of you. So thanks a lot for joining in. Thank you.